0: The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And I said that our theme tonight is being unashamed. And so we find here in 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 8, as we stand together, Paul admonishes Timothy not to be ashamed. So let's read. The Bible says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Notice, not affliction, but afflictions, uh, because there are afflictions that come along with gospel ministry. According to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Let's read that together. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded. Am persuaded. That he is able to keep that which he has committed. Or which I have committed unto him against that day. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Lord, would you bless our time in your word? Would you guide us, help us not to be ashamed in this very wicked and perverse generation? Lord, I pray that we'd be bold in our faith, and that you would strengthen us through this time in your word tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And we are dealing with a subject of unashamed, a needed topic in our day. There is certainly much that causes us to want to be ashamed. Uh, I think about this we, as we set up the series and... Um, began to talk about uh, 2nd Timothy we noted that one of the key words of the second uh, second Timothy was this matter of being uh, Ashamed and so Paul brings it up some four times throughout this letter to Timothy his son in the faith and he wants to encourage him Don't be ashamed. There's no reason you're on the winning side There's no reason for you to find shame and to be embarrassed in any way now the world wants you to be ashamed The world wants to push you into a corner, and the world wants you to feel shame for the stands that you take, and the world would like for you to feel shame that that you believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. The the world wants you to feel shame that you believe that salvation is only through Jesus Christ, and and there's no other way, and they want you to feel shame that you, you have such a narrow religion. But the fact is, we do not have to feel shame. Timothy should not feel that shame. He should not allow that shame to set in. And so Paul says, listen, Timothy, I don't want this to be going on in your life. And notice there in verse number eight, he says, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony, first of all, of the Lord, and then second of all, of me, his, his follower, of his, his prisoner. And so he says, first of all to Timothy, I want you to make sure, Timothy, that you are sharing in the Savior's sufferings. That as you go, as you uh, fulfill your ministry and as you go about your daily life as a believer, Timothy, make sure that you're sharing in the sufferings of the Savior. And he says that, and as he says that, he's making sure, hey, Timothy, make sure that you listen up. Heed the warning here. Heed the warning. Don't be ashamed. Don't allow the shame to set in. Now, it's exactly the word ashamed. We can understand it in our English language. We use it often, but it also has the idea of being, being uh, embarrassed. Maybe that's something that we use more often. Uh, Timothy, don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed of the Lord. Now, he was not saying this in the way that he says it. He does not say it to Timothy because Timothy is being embarrassed or being ashamed. Uh, The idea is, Timothy, don't start. Or Don't become don't allow yourself to become ashamed. The world is encroaching upon you The world is getting more and more wicked as we as we uh, head towards the the coming of the Lord Don't become ashamed and I I think right now this message is good for us tonight because we can become ashamed We can become ashamed just this past week as we think about the the fact that uh, we've heard such things as as uh, that that women are not the only ones that can be mothers right? Uh, and we call mothers birthing people, uh, and that type of stuff. We start hearing some of this, this lingo that's going around, and, and you think, you know, is it really wrong for me to believe that, that women are the ones that God gifted with the ability to bear children? You know, is that really weird for me to believe that? But yes, in this world, it is, it is something that is becoming weird. Now, we should not, we should not. Uh, we should not uh, categorize the whole world with those that, that have uh, such large voices. You understand that. But the thing is, it is for positions that we hold, just natural, logical positions that we hold, that we could become ashamed, embarrassed. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to say that because people might think that I'm weird or I'm not going along with everyone else. Timothy, don't become ashamed. Don't allow the shame to set in. Timothy was not ashamed, but Paul was warning him. Hey, it's going to be easy for you to become ashamed, so make sure that you don't. I'm forewarning you, I'm warning you, don't be ashamed of the evidence of our Savior, of all that the Lord stood for. Don't be ashamed of his life. Don't be ashamed of what he did. The testimony that he was not to be ashamed of was this. The Lord's ethical, his spiritual teaching, as well as what he did at the cross. Don't be ashamed of any of that. Don't be ashamed of the word of God, Timothy. Don't be ashamed of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. To them it's foolishness, but to us that believe, it's the power of God unto salvation. So, Timothy, don't be ashamed. The Bible says in Mark 8, and verse 38, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me, Jesus... And of my words, now notice, in this adulterous and sinful generation. Are we not living in that generation? Right? So Jesus says in the midst of that kind of generation that we're living in, in 2021, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me. And I know you do not want Jesus to be ashamed of you. Timothy did not want Jesus to be ashamed of him. And so, how important it is for us to heed the warning that Timothy was hearing from Paul right now don't succumb to the shame, don't allow yourself to be embarrassed. Stand strong. We're on the winning side. We're siding with Jesus. I remember when we were, uh, when we were having a rally. This, by the way, is uh, the week to, uh, to support law enforcement or is just kind of a focus on law enforcement, backing the blue and so forth. Obviously, there are people that do wrong in every sector of society, right? Right? But there are many that are in law enforcement. Uh, the, the line share, the majority of those in law enforcement that are simply trying to protect peace within a city like ours. I'm thankful for the Kettering Police Department. But I remember back when all the, the riots were going on, they all gathered together for there was a, a gathering that was supposed to happen right within the city of Kettering. And I remember going there and praying with, uh, with uh, the people from 11 different agencies and, and sharing with them uh, about the fight, and the fight for truth that they are, they are fighting for, upholding law. when you're fighting for law and when you're fighting for truth, that you're standing on God's side of the, uh, on God's side of the matter and how important that, that is. And, and it's an amazing thing to me, as we think about, uh, about this, we can uh, succumb to shame even in supporting those that uphold the law and uphold truth in a society and uphold peace in a, in a society and say, hey, don't do this, do this, and, and so forth. It's amazing how easy it is for us to become ashamed and, uh, and it's, it's vitally important that we as followers of Jesus Christ, as his followers, with his message, don't become ashamed of Jesus Christ, that we don't allow the embarrassment to come in. There's so many uh, theories that are circulating in this day. I, was, uh, I think I was talking to Miss Mary over there, um, and was talking about how theories are cropping up so very quickly. It's not years that it takes for theories to wash over culture. Have you noticed that? it seems like a theory can, can come up and you start hearing about it and all of a sudden you're hearing about it everywhere. Now that may just be perception, I understand that, but the, the fact of the matter is there is so many theories circulating out there that we can become ashamed of when we stand against those theories because it goes against Christ. You know, think about the theory of evolution. We ought we ought have no problem standing up against uh, that God created the heavens and the earth. That's where it all started. Uh, we ought to stand with that unashamedly. That man is not his own master. He is accountable to God. Uh, and the whole doctrine of humanism, the, the, the teaching of humanism, that you can be your own master and you, 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 uh, you determine your own destiny and that uh, you can be good without God. All these theories that are out there, we ought not be embarrassed to stand against. That people can choose their gender rather than their gender is assigned at birth. God, at conception I should say, God gives the gender. And this ought not be something that we're ashamed to stand up for in this, in this day. I think about, and I'll uh, say more uh, down the line, but the critical race theory that's, that's coming up, and we're hearing about it, and it's cropping into schools. These things that stand against biblical principles, we're going to have to stand and not be bar- embarrassed in the face of. You say, well, what does this have to do with Timothy? Do you think Timothy was having to stand against anti-biblical theories that were coming down in his day? Yes. This is where the rubber meets the road. When... Culture goes against God's word. We must stand with God and uh, not be ashamed in any, any way. Marriage is redefinable. Uh, we need to stand with the Lord and not be ashamed, not be embarrassed. Don't, don't allow, as the enemy is encro- encroaching on our lives, don't allow the shame to set in. Don't allow them to put the shame there. That's what pen- on Timothy was being told. Don't become embarrassed. Now, along with that, what's the converse of that for Timothy? Look at verse number 8. He says, but be thou, so don't be ashamed. We got that? Don't be embarrassed. Don't become embarrassed. But here's what you should do, Timothy. Be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. So, Timothy, don't do this, but do this. Make sure that you're doing this. Prioritize this. And what was he to prioritize? Accept the sufferings of our Lord. Accept the suffering that comes along with um, preaching the gospel, standing by the gospel, standing according to the word. And this word partaker is the idea to suffer together with. And the same word is used to, to illustrate the, uh, the bond within or the ministering within the body of Christ. So he says, I want you to, I want you to be a partaker of the sufferings of the afflictions of the gospel. And the idea over in 1 Corinthians 12, and verse number 26, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. I am to suffer with Christ and take on to accept the afflictions of the gospel with Christ as my thumb does with my brain, is the idea. That I am to be that lockstep with Christ and with his body and with what Christ is doing in the world, that when he suffers, I suffer. And vice, vice versa. They're, they're, it's that lockstep. And so Romans eight and verse number seventeen, it says, "If if children, then heirs; heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ." We talked about that this morning. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And so this whole matter of suffering together, accepting the sufferings of the gospel, the afflictions of the gospel, is very important. Now, this suffering is from living out the gospel. This is not just because we were, we were brash or we were rude. That's not the, the idea of the, the suffering or because we did something wrong. Yeah, a, a believer should not be, a, uh, should not be a, uh, getting a victim mi- a mindset when they suffer for doing something wrong. Well, they're just picking on me because I'm a believer. No, if you did something wrong, we did something wrong. We suffer the consequences like everyone else. But the idea is here, when we live out the gospel, there will be an affliction that comes along with that. It says there that, uh, in, that, in that verse, verse number 8, of the gospel according to the power of God. So these afflictions are from living out the gospel. First Peter 4 and verse number 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Don't, don't suffer in that way. Don't be getting into that on those things. Yet, if any man suffer after uh, as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. If you suffer for taking a stand at work and you lose your job, well, that's hard, really hard. But give glory to God is what Peter's saying. If you stood for righteousness' sake, I was listening to a um, a story. it was about a very, very crooked athlete, and this one athlete that was a man of integrity uh, stood up and exposed this other athlete. And I don't want to really get into it because it's a long, long story, but, but what struck me is, uh, is this, that this, uh, this man was a man of integrity, and he, he lost everything because he stood up and spoke truth. And I think, wow. I mean, lost millions because he stood up and and spoke truth. Now, you think about that. What we have to to lose and then what we have to gain, the smile of the Father or the approval of people around us? I I think we want the smile of the Father. I think that's in our heart. God, help us by your Holy Spirit uh, to seek after that and to prioritize that the most. And so Peter is saying to these believers, don't suffer as an evildoer. If you suffer for the gospel, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed for that. Suffer boldly. Paul was a good example of that, wasn't he? He wasn't, well, I'm here in the Mamertine prison and I'm just such a, you know, such a victim and a martyr here. No, he was, he was there using his time witnessing to his guards when he was under house arrest. He's writing letters to Timothy to encourage him along. What a, what a guy that he was and what God was uh, enabling him to do. Wonderful, wonderful thing. The suffering was from living out the gospel, but the suffering would also be enabled by God. So, Timothy, it's according to the power of God that you'll um, get through this suffering. For it is unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. God is the one who gives the ability to get through trial. God is the one who gives the ability to to stay focused and to, um, to have the strength to get through. And, Timothy, you must be willing to accept the affliction as it comes. And so must we. Now... Some of you are, are more mature here this evening, and maybe you thought that this, the, the suffering or the affliction, the pushback against Christianity would not come as severe as it seems to be coming right now in America as it seems to be I mean it seems like it's just looming out there, right? But it's here. It's real. It, it's, not, it's not far-fetched for people to be locked out of their buildings. I just went to a legal seminar this past this past uh, week concerning church, uh, church things. It's not far-fetched for that to go on in our country. It's not far-fetched for uh, pastors to be arrested in our country. It's not far-fetched. Um, and the fact is, we have to stand and not be ashamed in the face of that. We don't want to suffer as an evildoer. We don't want to be belligerent. We want to have the grace of God upon our life. But we must be willing to suffer um, for the Lord Jesus Christ, accept and share in the suffering in the afflictions of christ mark 8 34 when he called his disciples what did he say to them whosoever will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and do what and follow me so i take up my cross like jesus does and that means you in your daily life at your workplace wherever you are that means us taking up our cross and following after him so why would paul willingly share in the suffering of the savior Why was Paul telling Timothy, hey, I want you to share in the suffering of the Savior. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. I want you to share in the suffering of the Savior. Why would he say this to Timothy? Timothy, don't be ashamed. Why? Because he considered the grace of God. Now notice verse number uh, nine. Verse number nine. It says, who hath saved us. Isn't that good? Are you thankful to be saved tonight? you thankful you're not on your way to hell? Amen. Who has saved us, now notice, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Remember this your salvation is not merited. You did not. Earn your salvation. It is a free gift. God went all the way and now offers you. He made the whole sacrifice and now offers you freely the gift of grace, the gift of salvation if you will simply trust in him and believe. The day that you did that, you received that salvation. And he says, who has saved us. That's, that's a factual point in time where he saved us and called us to, be a, and to live out holy lifestyles before him. He's called us to live like him. And So here's what's going on. Paul, Paul says, the reason... I don't want you to be ashamed is because this is what Jesus has done for us. This is what he has done for us. And notice that Paul considered the grace of the Savior. The gift of grace was this gift that he gave. It wasn't something that Paul worked for. We're saved by grace. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy he saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're still trying to work for your salvation here tonight, but I just encourage you, stop working, trust the Savior. Accept it by faith. You say, that's so hard. I work for everything in my life. Jesus made it simple, simple enough for a child to receive. He is simply offering to you salvation, free and clear, if you but receive it by faith, and he will give it to you. And so we're saved by, um, by grace, but we're called to holy living because of grace. He called us with a holy calling. This calling is a, a summons, We're summoned by the Lord Jesus Christ, by God himself, to live a holy life. This calling is something that we have to accept. And the fact is that God, by his grace, is calling you into a lifestyle day by day to line your life with truth, like we learned this morning, to line your life uh, with with God himself and with the character of God, to the holiness of God. He says in Titus 2 and verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What is it doing in our lives? It is teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So what's going on? He's called us to holy living. He's called us by His grace to holy living. Oh, what a good Savior we, are, we have. We are called to live a life, a life like Him. We get to mirror Him every single day. What, a, what, a, what an opportunity. What an opportunity tomorrow to look a little bit more like the Savior. And I trust that even our time together tonight will help us in in that regard. So the gift of of grace is, boy, it's there. He's given it to us. He's doing such great things. He, He saved us by His grace. He is calling us into His living by His grace. But notice the appearance of grace in verse number 10. But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. When He came to earth, boy, grace was on full display. That's what Titus was saying in Titus on two and verse number eleven. Paul on speaking to Titus for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Does everyone have the chance to receive God? Well. The Bible says in Romans chapter number one and verse number 20 that that all men are accountable before almighty God, holy creator God, because of the creation that they see all around them. In the very creation, they can see that God is the creator and that there is an eternal power in Godhead. They can see this because what they see in creation in the general revelation of God, they are without excuse, God says. And so he says, I've appeared, I've shown to all men This grace that brings salvation. Now is made manifest. It's made openly visible in the coming of our Savior. Think about this. Why don't you turn over there for a moment and you can circle this verse. John chapter 1 and verse number 14. John chapter 1 and verse number 14. He says it's made manifest. Grace is on full display in the appearing of our Savior. What did John say when he saw the Savior? As he opens up the book, John 1 and verse number 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Oh, that must have been special. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He was fully equal with God. This was not robbery for him to be equal with God. He was fully and rightfully equal with God. He is God. But notice what it says about him, full of grace and truth. Let's say that together, full of grace and truth. What was a dominating, overwhelming factor of our Lord Jesus Christ? He was full of grace and truth. And he says here in First Timothy one and verse number 10, "But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior. When Jesus showed up on earth, grace appeared in full display. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so we give thanks. We give thanks to God. We don't have to be ashamed because as we consider the gift of grace and the appearance of grace, God has been so good to us. He has saved us. He's called us to himself. He's called us to living a life like him. He came all the way to earth to show his grace to you and me. Why should we be ashamed of the Savior? Timothy, why should you be ashamed of the Savior? Think of all that he's done for us. I got to witness to a Muslim man, I believe from Somalia uh, yesterday, in the gas station uh, in, in, uh, in Columbus. And immediately when I when he asked me who, who I was or what, what religion I was, I said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I figured he was probably a Muslim man. And so I said, a follower of Jesus Christ. Immediately he, he entered into you know talking how Jesus was created and, and his, speaking his doctrine and, and so on. And so I gave him a, a card, and we got to share a little bit. Uh, didn't get to share much, but got to share a little bit. But one of the things that I thought of as I I walked away, hindsight's always 20-20, right? Does your God love you? Did your God come and die for you? Think about that. That's not a gotcha question. But in all honesty, (laughs) we serve an amazing Savior. Why in the world should I be ashamed of him? Why should I be ashamed of calling myself a follower of Jesus? By the way, so many people call themselves... So many people call themselves Christians. It's a great word. It's right from the book of Acts, right? But in all honesty, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. That's who I am. That's what I am before I'm a dad, before I'm a husband, that, before I'm a pastor. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. What a, what a good Savior we get to serve. And he died for me. His grace is on full display And so why did Paul not need to be ashamed? Why should Timothy not be ashamed? That's the type of Savior we're serving. Now notice, what does he say to uh, Timothy? Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Consider his grace. But notice in verse number 11 through 12, whereunto I am appointed a preacher. Now Paul was not talking to Timothy as as one, he wasn't talking to Timothy from kind of a, a pedestal. No, Paul had lived this life of not being ashamed. So Paul is saying, hey, listen, I've I've been appointed a preacher. I've I've walked this road before. I've been appointed here, whereunto I am appointed a preacher. And what is Paul telling to Timothy? Hey, make sure that you're following the Savior's direction. This matter of not being ashamed, it's gonna it's gonna require that you step out and you obey the Savior too. That you take the assignment from the Savior. And that's exactly what he's saying in verse number 7. Accept his assignment. I've been appointed a a, a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. At some point along the line, I just say, you know what? Yes, I will go. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Oh, but following you is going to require me turning my back on all my friends in the Pharisees. You know how much Paul lost by following Jesus? Everything all his notoriety, all his social status was, was gone. In fact, the, 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 within the week, within the, the first month of him following Jesus, do you know they, they, they turned on him? Isn't that amazing? The people they used to run with now are seeking to kill him. And what does he have to do? He has to leave town. Do You remember this story? In a basket, out the window, <laughs> what? the Bible's not interesting it's amazingly interesting I mean these these stories you couldn't come up with them It's amazingly interesting, and so he's leaving town at some point. Paul's having to say, "Yes, sir Lord, I'll do it even if it means all my friends and by the way, all his friends had names, and if we had lived in this generation, they, he would have had their cell phones, he would have been connected to them on Facebook. You know what I'm saying like he wasn't he, he wasn't just a super christian that was you know, set apart from them. those relationships being lost, I'm sure hurt. Guys that he used to hang with and, and journey with and talk with now don't want to talk to him and want to kill him. What an amazing thought. But are we willing to accept the assignment of the Lord and be appointed to be a preacher and a, an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, even if it means that we lose out and we are, we are told by the world and told by former friends that we should be ashamed and Paul accepted this from the Lord. He, uh, he was appointed. He did not go and tell the Lord this is what I want to do. He was appointed. This was a, a, at a point in time God gave this appointment. By the way, the moment you and I were saved, we were made witnesses of the gospel. We received an appointment. We can receive more and more specific appointments from the lord hey you go be a pastor you you'll be a, a a teacher here at the church you, and god will give specific appointments to us where we are to follow him and be bold in that but paul accepted the appointment from the lord paul accepted both the good and the bad of this and paul saw a lot of amazing things that first missionary journey that we just finished up on sunday mornings uh paul saw a lot of amazing things when you think about whole cities coming to Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's run out of town, but that was pretty amazing. I'd like to see a whole city come to Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you like to see the city of Kettering turn from uh, Catholicism and good, on good works to Jesus Christ? Yeah, I would. I sure would. That's an amazing thing. But Paul got to see that. But Paul accepted both the good and the bad of his assignment. He says there in verse number 12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. What things? Well, He's sitting in the Mamertine. Huh. He's sitting in prison. He's awaiting death. For the which also I suffer these things. So my preaching of the gospel landed me here. Have you ever heard a, a believer say, you know, I'm, I've served God, and, and, and it's, what, it's what Brother Tom just mentioned in his testimony. Satan lurks in and, and says, well, you served God. Look, look what it's getting you. Right? Do you think those those moments came up for Paul? Well, he accepted both the good and the bad. He accepted the bad when when it cost him something. Well, we need to be in the same place, accepting the good and the bad of, of following after Jesus Christ and obeying his appointment. If I surrender my life to Christ, he might ask me to go somewhere I don't want to go. Yeah, he might. And if we say yes to that, he'll also give the grace and the enjoyment for that. If I live like that kind of a Christian, that kind of a Christian, I may be thought of as strange. Yeah, you might, but he'll give the grace for that. Paul accepted both the good and the bad, the days when many people were coming to Christ and the days when he was being stoned in the middle of the streets. He accepted it all. So Paul gives the real reason here as he concludes this passage, he gives a real reason why he did not have to be ashamed. Now notice here, he says, I, I'm suffering because I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm suffering because I said yes to God. And yeah, I brought some suffering in my life. Notice verse number 12, the end part. For I know whom I have believed. Let's read that together. For I know whom I have believed. Let's continue. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Does that sound like a song? Yeah. Actually, if you go to that song in our hymnal, the uh, the verse is right above it because it's it's a direct, it's a direct put to music there in the chorus. I know whom I have believed. But think about that. Paul was not just accepting his assignment; he was assured of his he was assured of God's care. What ultimately undergirded Paul saying, "I'm going to continue on. I'm going to accept the good and the bad." I'm going to accept the lost friendships as well as the, the glorious times of seeing people turn to Jesus Christ. I'm going to accept the prison cell as well as, as the, the preaching stand where I get to preach to many people. I'm going to accept it all. I'm going to, I'm going to be there for God all the way through. Is because he was assured of his care. I know. Now, here's the really cool thing about this word know. And I've shared this with you before. But there's two words for know in, in, in the Bible. One is to know intellectually because you were instructed. Like some things you know because we from the Bible because we've sat in a in a in a place like this and we've learned something from God's word. Oh yeah, I know that. But it's very different when you go in place and and practice that truth and find it out to be true experientially. All right. So that's a difference between textbook knowledge and experience. All right. So you're going to uh, you're going to have a surgery, brother Tom, like you did. And aren't you thankful that your doctor had experiential knowledge, not just textbook knowledge, before he's pulling pulling those muscles and moving them around to get that that uh, that hip in there? Uh, uh, you're thankful, well, yeah, that he has a, a a working experiential knowledge. That's what Paul's talking about here. I don't just have a textbook knowledge about Jesus, and his care, and his steadfastness, and his trustworthiness. I have experienced it. I experienced it when I was stoned, in Lystra. I experienced it when I went out to Iconium and came back. I experienced it when they helped me over the wall and that God gave me grace to navigate all all that. I experienced it when I went to Jerusalem and none of the other apostles who I was for, by the way, wanted to accept me, but Barnabas stood with me and he stood up for me and introduced me. I, I experienced the grace and the goodness and the care of the Savior all the way through. I've experienced it. I experienced the the grace and the and the care of the Savior when I've stood before those that could take my life, and God was always there. Later on in this passage of Scripture, the Bible says there in First Second uh, Timothy. Look at it, the end uh, end passage, verse number seventeen. 2 Timothy uh, 4 and verse number 17, uh, verse 16, that my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me. Do you know what that is? That is a personal testimony from the Apostle Paul. I went there, no one else was with me, but Jesus was with me. That's experiential. That's experiential knowledge. I won't go into the specific, but Brother, Brother uh, the, uh, Snyder said, uh, came to me in the parking lot on this morning and says, God took care of me this week. And he relayed a specific incident where God took care of him. You know what that is? That's experiential knowledge. That's not just, the Lord will always be there, Hebrews thirteen five. That is, on Tuesday, in this event, Jesus was there, and he cared for me. That's amazing. And that's what Paul is saying right now. Do you have that story? I'm sure you do. I'm sure you have testimonies in your life where you know Jesus showed up in your life, he took care of you, he brought you through, he showed up, and he helped you. Paul's saying that to Timothy. I don't have to be ashamed. Why? Because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I believed in him for eternal salvation. I have believed in the gospel. And he is able. He is he is sufficient to meet my need. He is sufficient to meet my need. Now, if He can take care of my need for salvation, He can take care of every other need. I know how cliche we get in saying that, but that's the truth. If He is able to save me from hell, He can, he can take care of every other situation. And we need to believe that. How many times is that a, a literal choice in our mind to believe that? I know it is for me. Sometimes I don't... I, Lord, I don't want to give up my, you know, my frustration because you know, I want to be frustrated for a little bit longer. And there's the, you know what I'm saying? There's that, there's that point in time where you surrender. You know what? You can take care of this. You look to him and say, God, God, I'm giving this problem over to you. I'm giving that over to you. Romans 8, Paul testifies personally. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Well, then he goes through all sorts of things. Right? What was that personal experience on Paul's part? I know he cares. I can be assured of his care. I believed him for the gospel. I, I've seen him care for me throughout life. He is sufficient to meet my needs. He's sufficient to care for me. And here he's sufficient to guard and stand guard by me. Wow. Paul says I've committed things to his trust. Whatever I put into his, his trust, whatever I put into his care, I know experientially he'll take care of it. How's that going to change our week this week? How's that going to change the problems that we face this week? If we, if we, Lord, you've saved my soul. I believed you for that. And now I know as a fact that if I put this into your care, you'll take care of it. I'm going to rest in you. Well, there's a whole lot less anxiety, right? A whole lot less worry, frustration, angst. Well, that's where the Lord wants us to be. Paul had trusted Jesus with his salvation and was convinced that, Jesus himself could sufficiently guard all that Paul had entrusted to him. So why in the world should he be embarrassed? That's the kind of savior he's serving. That's the kind of savior he's walking with. And how can we be ashamed of a savior who's like this? We shouldn't be. And so may God give us grace in 2021, in the midst of this May, as we go to work tomorrow, as we go out and about tomorrow, may God give us grace not to be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. You know, the Word of God's really practical. You and I are prone to be embarrassed. We don't like to stand out from the crowd. We don't want to be that, that one that stands up in the crowd, right? We don't want to be singled out. It's hard to, isn't it? It's hard to. I remember working in construction. I was having a conversation with my brother this week, and he's, he's, uh, he's maybe getting into a, a job like that. And... Uh, and I remember working construction. One I said, one thing I said to him, I said, you know, it's it's a very different from what you've been in. It's a very different, different workplace. I mean, people are cussing. They're talking about things that you, you don't, brother Tom. You know what it's about. And uh, very different, very different workplace. Difficult. But you know what? Sometimes it's not easy in that environment to stand up, to pray, to give thanks to God. I remember being on a on a roof. Um, and we were, we were tar papering the roof, and, uh, there's two guys there, and, uh, they, they asked me a question, uh, do you cuss? It's like, did I, that's kind of a weird, it was just out of the blue question, I was like, did I do something? And I said, no, and they said, well, we hadn't heard you cuss, and we just, we were wondering, and, uh, some of those guys still follow, um, follow me today on, on Facebook and have connections with them and, and so forth. It's interesting that you stick out when you stand up for the Lord. And you know what that's like because you've had different situations in your life. My, my life's different than yours, but you've had situations where you've had to stand out for the Lord and it might hurt. It might hurt you really bad. Don't be ashamed. Give glory to God when you suffer that affliction. Don't, don't, let's not be victimized Christians. And there's some of that that goes on even in this, in this day. We become victims you know, and, and, and relish that. Well, that's not, that's not the point. Give glory to God. What, is, what does it say? Let's end with this. What does it say there in, in, in the book of 1 Peter? 1 Peter, in verse, on chapter number 4, in verse number 15. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him not be ashamed, but... Let him glorify God on this behalf. Thank you, Lord. What did the, the apostles do in the book of Acts? They, uh, they glorified God because he counted them worthy to suffer for his sake. And uh, God himself is the only one that can help us to accomplish that, right? That's not something we, just, we, we conjure up in our own spirit. The Holy Spirit himself has to help us with that. And so let's ask him to help us to not be embarrassed for him this week, okay? And, uh, and to walk boldly into this week and stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.